Welcome back to another edition of the Y Hockey Periodical Podcast, the preseason tapes. Uh, and welcome back to the show, Matthew O'Brien. How you doing, bud? It's great to have you back on the airwaves. Yeah, I'm doing all right. It's been a nice, uh, nice little summer vacation there. Uh, didn't really do too much with it, but, uh, it was nice to kind of get away from hockey for a little bit, uh, especially after, you know, the way the Panthers kind of ended the season and, uh, you know, you know how I felt about Vegas going through the playoffs and, you know, Washington winning their first Stanley Cup. So it was nice to get some time away from hockey and, uh, you know, watch a wonderful World Cup over the summer and, uh, and all that. That's great. That's great. I, I'm happy you're, you're energized against, uh, again about the, uh, Florida Panthers. Obviously, as everyone knows, you're one of the driving forces between, behind me liking the Florida Panthers. So it's nice to see, you know, looks like sunlight and some Windex really cleaned, uh, and cured all the ailments of last year. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Both come back and excited. revisit that in December. We'll see where we're at. But. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Eckblad Yandel's still a thing. Yeah. So we're getting know, close. Every October there's there. a, there's a rebirth and then, uh, we'll see how long it lasts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, in the meantime, we're happy to have you here. Um, my other co-host, Matt, isn't a big Flyers guy. I know you're not the biggest Flyers guy either anymore, but uh, it's nice that we get to talk some Flyers, and uh, I've, been, I've been itching to talk some Flyers. I'm actually itching right now. Um, <laughs> so what are your takeaways on, on this season coming up for, for Philadelphia? Where are you looking at? What are you expecting of them? And, uh, you know, who are you focusing on heading you know, into the year? It seems like, you know, with the re-edition of uh, James Van Riemsdyk uh, and, and some of the other players, uh, the Flyers are in an interesting spot again where it seems like they're they're kind of in that age-old, uh, we want to go for not only playoffs but a championship, but we're also still in that kind of transition phase with our young guys. Uh, and I'm, I'm really eager to see how that all kind of comes together, uh, early in the season. Uh, it seems like much like we always, uh, kind of yell at the Panthers to do, the, the Flyers are willing to, uh, you know, put these young guys out there, give them their chances, you know, in roles where they are expected to produce and, and maybe, you know, produce over what they're supposed to. Um, but they have a lot, a lot of really good talent. So I think they will be able to handle it. And it'll be really interesting to see, uh, kind of how they take off on the season. Um, you know, I think that, uh, for any team really, but especially a team that's kind of coming into their own identity as a team, uh, across years, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of, you know, start they get and, and if they can keep some momentum going, if they can start off kind of hot. Yeah, of course, you know, every coach, uh, has a cup, has a vet that they'll always play over rookies, even if, you know, he's a first round pick and a hell of a talent like Travis Sandheim. And, the, and that's like Andy McDonald, who we thought was going to be out for six weeks. Turns out he's a, he's Superman and he's back in two weeks, uh, and back in the lineup and, and giving goals for the other team already. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, we don't want to spend too much time on Andy McDonald, um, of course. Um, do you think that there's more pressure for Hacksaw now? Uh, I think your your view of Hacksaw has always been this is not the team that he's going to win with it. You know, this isn't something that you want to measure his systems against and measure his ability to lead and and all that stuff. Are we starting to see that team now? Yes, I think this year is probably that first year you can really, you know, if he doesn't perform with the team he has now, some some tough decisions are going to need to be made. I mean, they were kind of on the lower end last year. If they don't make the playoffs, and honestly, if they don't make it as a as a Metro Division team, uh, if they're a wild card team, it, it might be the beginning of the end for Hackstall. I mean, he still doesn't really have the goaltending. Um, but, you know, as a Philly coach, I think that that's just something you're going to have to deal with throughout your entire time here. Uh, you're going to have to make do with the players in front of the, the crease rather than the players in the crease. Um, you know, certainly I think when Carter Hart gets there, it might be a little easier. Um, but I understand the Flyers not wanting to rush him. And uh, as much as I think he's ready to take some starts this year, uh, I think, if anything, he's more of a, a late-season uh, he's that addition at the trade deadline if he plays well in the AHL that can really put this team over the edge. 
Um, but I think this year definitely, if Hackstall can't uh, get this team looking like a playoff team, because I think that was kind of the problem last year as well, they never really looked uh, like a playoff team. They never looked like they could compete in the playoffs. Uh, and that's going to be his test this year. And, you know, it's not an easy uh, first month of the season here for the Flyers. They're playing a lot of good teams, a lot of teams that, uh, you know, had either good seasons last year or, or some bad seasons last year but are looking to improve. Uh, you know, they got Vegas and Colorado twice uh, in that first month of the season, and uh, that's going to be tough. They got the Panthers, Sharks. Uh, you know, pretty much yeah, the only opening game. versus the Sharks is, isn't fun. Yeah, I think pretty much the, the you know the only game in October that should definitely be a win uh, for the Flyers is uh, the game against the Senators. Uh, other than that, it's going to be a tough road ahead, and uh, luckily for them, they don't play too many uh, Metro teams uh, in that month, so they you know they'll still have time even if they get off to a bad start to kind of make up some ground against uh, division opponents, but. Uh, you're going to have to come up with some tough wins uh, in that first month if you want to have a chance. I'm starting to wonder if you can't blame Hextall for this, but you can certainly question Hextall for this. If you know they should have done more to their their for their goaltending positions, we talk about how Florida ignored their goaltending beyond just, you know, picking up Hutchinson, but at least they, that's something, at least that's, you know, an NHL level quality goalie they brought in. Um, Philadelphia has Michael Norberth, who has maybe a quarter of a groin um, and a couple spare parts of a knee, Um, you know, and Brian Elliott is, I mean, he could be injured at any moment. He didn't look great when he was healthy um, and then you have Alex Lyon, Anthony Stolarz, and Carter Hart. And, and like you said, you don't know, you know, Carter Hart can definitely take a couple starts this year, but, you know, he should be mainly in the AHL. He, you know, just give him. Yeah, you want him year. getting more towards 50 starts, which is, you know, going to definitely be possible in the AHL, uh, probably right. not so much in the NHL. And, and I think that might be a fair criticism that they could have done more uh, to shore up their goaltending, but they also. Uh, you know, Norverse injury kind of threw a wrench into those plans. They, they expected him to be there and be ready to start the season. But isn't uh, that kind of what, a, you know, like it's I, Michael Norverse. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that might have been part of the problem is assuming that because, you know, for the past two years, it seems, Norverse has been pretty much nonstop hurt. Uh, so it, it, it was maybe kind of hopeful uh, that he wasn't going to be injured and be ready to start the season. Um, but you can certainly forgive them for not, you know, bringing in a, a what sixth goalie uh, in an attempt to make the team. Uh, well, you just wonder if maybe instead of keeping both Stolars and Lyon, they they should have maybe upgraded one to to somebody who who could take more NHL starts. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they have Lyon do a lot of starts. For some reason, they never feel like giving Stolars the starts. That they'll have them sit on the bench. Uh, but Hacksaw doesn't really like playing him, so I think Line would definitely be the guy who has to step in, if not Hart. Um, yeah, and Solars would have been the guy to upgrade. It's clear that the Flyers have kind of moved on from from him and their future plans. Um, you but know, at, the at, the time, after him, at the same time, at the same time between him and between him and Lyon, you know. Um, Stolars has that ability to be worth more than, than Lyon. I think Lyon, you know, is what he is. Uh, Stolars, you know, if he can somehow put it together at his, you know, size and, and how quick he can move for that size, that's, that's going to be a different level. And, and you know, that's going to be another step. And while it's more risky, and, and I probably like Lyon better, uh, yeah, I, 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 think think it, is I think it was just Stolarz hasn't uh, hasn't showed that uh, kind of. But I do, yes, I do think that out of anyone, he probably would have commanded the most value uh, in the offseason trade market from any of the goalies that they were willing to trade. Yeah. Or you know, he would have at least commanded interest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think Alex Lyon had some interest, you know, out of Yale. Uh, and now I think he showed that he can, you know, steal some AHL games and, and steal a couple NHL games. But it's consistency, it's going to be at the NHL level all the time. Um, and he doesn't have that, like, extra gear that, that that some teams would be worth, you know, 
Yeah, I, you think, you know, you look around the league and, and certainly Harry Sateri uh, was a guy that the Flyers could have definitely brought in. Um, I thought yeah, he, he was played just well in Florida last year and uh, he's looked pretty good in Detroit in the preseason. So, And they put him on waivers, so it's not like, you know, after Neuwirth was injured or around the time, you know, recently they couldn't have picked him up. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, Stolarz and Line probably have the same amount of games of NHL experience as Sateri, so I think you can see why they thing, might want to keep what they have instead of risking it yeah. and bringing in a new person into the organization. Especially with how poorly it worked out with uh, Mrazic last year, you know, might might have thought it better to not buck the trend and kind of uh, had some consistency there. I, I think one thing uh, for the Flyers that, that kind of does hurt them is uh, the amount of different goalies they've had to use over the last couple of years because of injury and poor play and uh, I mean, you can see it uh, when you watch this team, you know, night in and night out, how differently they play depending uh, on who's in net. And that is definitely one of the things that uh, needs to be fixed and needs to stop for the players. They need to get that consistency and goals so the players uh, in front of them can, can kind of find their game and figure out how they got to play. Uh, and that's how you're going to be successful. Uh, you know, I think this year uh, they're definitely – better on offense, at least on paper, uh, to start the season. And you're hoping your your defense, you know, takes their step forward again this year and, and can not only play well, you know, in their own end, but, but bring the offense up as well. Um, and they need that consistency in net. And, and you're hoping Elliott can bring it this year, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you made a good point about how, you know, at least until Carter Hart fulfills his destiny uh, and the prophecy, um, the Flyers are going to have to rely on the guys in front of the crease instead of the guy in the crease. And, um, you know, two guys I thought who looked promising for the future were uh, Myers and Camp, a right-handed shot, you know, one of I think the best right-handed shot in their system. Freeman also looked pretty good. I think he's a righty. Um, and, uh, so that bodes well. Uh, they'll be in the AHL this year. Uh, but they also have a new guy, uh, what's his name? Igor, uh, Zamula. Zamula, yeah. Yeah, from the WHL, undrafted. They got him for free. They basically just, you know, the only thing they spent was an entry level contract spot on him. And, uh, he's a big bead stock. He looks like, you know, Travis Sandheim when he was drafted, kinda. You know, just big, tall. And, uh, maybe 110, 120 pounds. Uh, but he skates really fast and, and he looked really good in preseason against NHL level talent. So, uh, they got another one coming. And, uh, if they can stop playing Andy McDonald and, and Racco Gudis, you know, they start using him as like a seventh, uh, I think they could maybe make Brian Elliott work for a playoff round. Yeah, and, you know, I believe they did the same thing with Myers. He he was undrafted, and they picked him up in free agency. The Flyers have done really well at finding that talent that apparently, uh, you know, no one thought was worth drafting, but, uh, you know, can certainly play at the NHL level. Uh, and that's what they're going to need, especially as they continue to, to move up the standings, as they hope. You know, they're going to need to continue to find uh, these kind of diamonds in the rough because they're not going to be drafting as high. You know, they did a great job when they had these these really early first-round picks and, uh, you know, really stockpile talent. But, you know, we always say that's that's not the hard part. The hard part is continuing to find guys in the later rounds or, or you know, outside of the draft to to continue that uh, prospect pool, to, to continue stocking that and make sure it's always, uh, you know, one of the tops in the league. Uh, that's been one of our main complaints for the Panthers over the last couple of years after they uh, – after they started, you know, drafting mid-first round because of their, their finishes in ninth, tenth place uh, instead of at the bottom of the league, uh, they've struggled to find NHL quality talent uh, outside the first round and outside of the draft. Uh, and that is certainly one thing the Flyers have been really good at uh, over the last couple of years with Hextall in charge. Yeah, and it's probably why you don't want to beat Hextall up over uh, maybe not upgrading the goalies or, or changing the goalie situation um, because he's he's handled a lot of things and he's sidestepped a lot of potential challenges. So you have to think that uh, he had a good 
a good reason for uh, taking that bet and taking that gamble. And uh, if it doesn't work out, that doesn't mean he was wrong. It just means it didn't work out. Is there anything else you want to talk about uh, with the Flyers? I mean, I think they're a pretty exciting team as far as what lays ahead and what they can do. Um, you know, I think they need to increase their penalty kill. They're god-awful at that. And, and I think a lot of it is um, systems-based. I mean, I don't understand how you can have some of the forwards that they use on the penalty kill. Um and even some of the D and get the result that they get. Uh, you maybe it's goaltending, maybe well, it's think, the system. I think one thing they need to focus on this year on the penalty kill uh, is getting the kill. Uh, you know, because of the way their blue lines constructed, they have a lot of forward-thinking, offensive-minded defensemen. Uh, and you know, especially with guys like Giroux penalty killing, uh, they want to go on breaks. They, they want to try and break it back the other way shorthanded. I, yeah, I they think want to make especially it early, a three-on-one. Uh, yeah, and I think especially early, they need to focus on just getting the kill. When when you have possession of the puck, I think a lot of times last year, uh, they they tried to clear the puck. They had the puck on their stick in the D zone and failed to, to get it out of the zone, and that kind of led to goals, uh, as it usually does. Uh, so I think the focus at the beginning of the season Hey, don't push too hard for shorthanded goals. They, they, you know, they're great when we can get them. Uh, but the main point is get the kill. Don't give up a goal. Don't fall behind in the game on a power play goal. Uh, and and it seemed a lot, especially last year. It was uh, uh, they gave up a lot of sh- uh, power play goals against at inopportune times. Uh, you know, it would be late in a period and they give up a goal or, or you know a tie game or they're only down one. Uh, and then that puts them down too, and then, you know, they're scrambling. Uh, and especially, like, I, you know, keep harping on with with what should be an improved offense this year. I don't think it's as important uh, to to be positive on, on penalty kills and goal differential. I think as long as you can be even uh, and not give one up, you know, the offense is good enough uh, five on five, and, you know, hopefully if they get some power play opportunities, they're good enough uh, that if, as long as you're not in a hole, you should – be able to score enough goals to win games most nights. Yeah, yeah, I agree there. Uh, before we wrap up on the Flyers, I'm going to ask you a few uh, rapid-fire questions on your predictions for the season. Uh, so, you know, just first thoughts, gut instinct, you know, don't be looking up advanced stats or Corsi or anything like that. <laughs> like I ever up. would anyway. <laughs> I know, that was directed for you. All right. Where do they finish in the uh, in the division? Uh, top four. Three or four? Uh, four. Who, which is the goalie that plays the most games this year? Brian Elliott. By a slim margin. Who leads the team in points? Kajaru. Who is the team's best player, most important player? Uh, if they're going to make the playoffs, it's probably going to have to be Claude Giroux. All right, all right. And uh, last one, at the end of the year, are you going to be on the fire hack cell train or the not fire hack cell train? How do you think he's going to do? Are you going to give him the last year of the contract or are you going to want to end it early? Uh, I'm probably going to be on the not fire. Uh, I, I think they're going to have a good enough season. I think they're going to be, you know, they should be a, a, a playoff team. Um, and I think that you're going to see a lot of improvement and you're going to start seeing the roster come together. Uh, and I think it's, he'll get the benefit of the doubt and at least be able to finish out the contract. Switching over to Florida, let's talk about this new look Florida Panthers. You know, this young experimental preseason they're going through, switching, you know, trying a lot of looks, um, trying a bunch of different combos, trying to see what works, trying to, you know, have a competition for the bottom six and and, uh, try the new D pairs that Bugner's been talking about for the last couple weeks. Um, You know, it's going great, winning a lot of games. Um, You know, goalies look great. They don't look tired out of it off angles, things like that. Um, you know, just just a real 
I mean, luckily the games are meaningless because this is our all sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, no, they have not looked great. Um, you know, especially last night, uh, against Tampa Bay. I thought Roberto Luongo could have played a much better game. Uh, and, I mean, and, it would have been nice and, if he wasn't And that's frustrating playing. too as well. Uh, you know, the fact that Luongo is out there playing 60 minutes. Uh, versus know, Louis Domingue. Yeah, versus Louis Domingue and, and, you know, not looking great, you know, to start. That, that, that's not good. Uh, and it's just a meaningless, especially when you say you want Luongo and you need Luongo to play, you know, 50 games this year. If you want to be a, a playoff team, you want to be uh, one of the best teams in the league like you think you can. Uh, what are you doing playing him for 60 minutes? Uh, you know, it wasn't experimental in the preseason, which was frustrating. Uh, Samuel Mountainbow got, what, maybe one period of play? Uh yeah, and okay. and this is the time when you uh, are supposed to play him a lot more and see what you got. You know, the Flyers are out there playing Carter Hart for, you know, one, two, three periods a game every, you know, almost every game. Uh, you know, they're playing Lion. They're playing Stolars. You know, they're, they're seeing what they got. Uh, and I think that that's frustrating. Um, and they're showing other teams what they got You know, at the same time. Too. You understand... Uh, you know, kind of where the Panthers are coming from. They they haven't gotten off to really great starts the last couple of years, uh, and that is definitely one thing they want to fix because you know that's what makes them have to play so well from from January to March. Uh, is their stretch from October, you know, to January it has been abysmal the last couple of years. Um, but I don't know if that's the way to go about it. Uh, I think preseason. Uh, you know, I don't pay too much attention to preseason because to me, they're, it's glorified tryouts. Uh, that's all it is. Um, and that's what it should be used for. And that's the, you know, kind of frustrating that the Panthers don't really use preseason, uh, you know, how it's intended to be used. Uh, you know, they're out here playing Ekblad and, and Yandel together every, every shift of every game in preseason. Uh, you know, we, we have our thoughts about how that doesn't even work to begin with. Uh, and here they are not even trying uh, anything new in the preseason when the games don't matter. Yeah, I mean, it would be different if they, you know, said going into camp, we're going to stick with Ekblad and Yandel, but that's not what they said. I mean, it's different, you know. it's We're only saying it because they're contradicting themselves. Yes, it, saying, and it's the same old stuff. You, you know, know they, we, they say all this stuff in the media and the fans and, and you know, kind of get us on board with it, uh, and then they don't do it. The the one part of experimentation they have done is Bjorkstrom, center wing, up and down the lineup a little, um, which is nice to see because it makes you th- feel like they're actually seriously considering him for a roster spot, which, you know, he deserves. He should have. I mean, I think if anyone's earned a spot, it's um, it's Henrik Bjorkstrom of the new guys. Uh, that's that's what I'm saying. No one of everybody, like Barkov. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and another one is Yuho Miko, who um, I, I've always loved this guy. Uh, I remember we were at a draft, and uh, we were talking to one of the Kingston assistant coaches, and he was just talking about how you know great this guy is on the bench, how funny he is intentionally and unintentionally, um, but also just you know how he's a very smart player. He's got really good hand-eye. He's got really good... Uh, you know, control of the puck and his skating and edges. Uh, and, but, and he's got the IQ to be a good bottom line NHL player. And, uh, I think you're starting to see those pieces come together for him. And whether it's this year or next year, you're thinking you, the Panthers are going to make good on that draft pick. Yeah. You know, when he was picked, I don't think the goal or intention ever was to get, you know, a top six player out of it. Uh, I don't think that's really his style, but. You know, especially now in, in today's NHL, you're starting to see uh, the value of, of those bottom six guys that that can produce and are also, you know, responsible and good enough, uh, you know, to basically be even or plus players. That, that's what you need if you want a deep playoff run and you want to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, you need your third, fourth line guys to to be trustworthy, to, to be able to have them out on the ice at any time. Uh, and I certainly think that Lumico has those abilities uh, you know, he is a big, I think the decision they make with Lamico and guys like Mammon as well, uh, is going to go a long way in, you know, identifying what kind of the season the Panthers are having and, uh, are, are going to have and, and also 
you know, if we can start trusting this ownership and front office group again. Uh, the way that Mammon and Lamico have played, they certainly deserve roster spots. They, they are definitely, uh, you know, top 12, 13 fours on this team. Uh, and, you know, if they continue to pick guys like Haley and, and Brower uh, and McKenzie over them, uh, you know, I'm going to lose my trust again in that front office. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a long year. And, and I know that there's other teams and coaches that do this. You look at Eli Tolvanen, who was sent down to Milwaukee, and it looks like Zach Ronaldo may, may make Peter Laviolette's National Predators. Uh, you have Andy McDonald in Philadelphia See, and Hacksaw we just talked about. But that that doesn't mean that this situation is is bettered or was made more okay because everyone does it. Like, well, and, and Tolvanen's a you know kind of different than than those two. He is most certainly a you know a top six player. He you want to give him uh, you know the chances to to develop his offensive instinct to be the go to guy to be the goal scorer. Uh, and, and he's better suited to do that in Milwaukee. Uh, whereas guys like Madden and, and Lamico are, are absolutely, you know, they're bottom six guys. They're pretty well polished for that role already. Uh, and maybe, I mean, I don't know if I believe it, but maybe they won't have as much production as guys, uh, like CV or McKenzie. Uh, and well, they'll have more production than Haley regardless. Uh, but, you know, they have some other options on the fourth line that might produce a little more than, than these young guys. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a risk-reward. I think it's definitely worth it to let these guys take up some roster spots and, and develop at the NHL level when you have, uh, you know, what you say and, and what I think we all agree is an improved top six this year. You should be getting more goals in the top six. You know, you have Borchum on the third line. Your third line should be, uh, you know, a lot better than it was last year as well. Uh, at least production-wise, you know, you can kind of just have that shutdown line that doesn't put up that many points but are smart players, strong skaters, uh, you, you know, good defensively. Uh, Mammon and Lamico are both two pretty big bodies out there. They're tough to move. Uh, they're willing to put in the work. Uh, but they also can flash that skill every now and then. Uh, and, and, you know, the Panthers have always been kind of hesitant to make that move uh, to that new NHL, we still want to have Michael Haley. We still want to lead the league in fights uh, and, and and all that for whatever reason. Uh, but they were talking about it on the broadcast uh, last night, the other night in the, the Tampa Bay game, that, you know, they were top four, top three in the league in penalty minutes and led the league in fights. You know, I, I understand that a lot of your penalty minutes come with those fights, but that's something that definitely needs to be fixed. And, uh, you know, especially with Barkov, uh, killing penalties, you don't want so much of his game time, uh, you know, time on ice throughout a game to be shorthanded. You want to give him, you know, the power play minutes. You want to give him the even strength minutes where he can, you know, he led the league in, in power or shorthanded goals last year, so it's not like, uh, you know, he's not producing then too, but you want to give him better chances to produce. Uh, and when you have guys like Madden and Lamico, they might be able to take away some of the uh, penalty kill time that Barkov has to be on the ice for, because uh, they're good enough, you know, defensively and in their own zone that you can save Barkov for the shift after the penalty kill when you might have a better matchup because you know the other team just played their top their top guys for two minutes, uh, and, and that's where the coaching comes in. Uh, we'll see if Bugner is really the coach that that the Panthers need. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think that's a good point about how, you know, you need to set up your lines for after the penalty kill. And, um, you know, sometimes that means not having Barkov finish out a penalty kill or be on the penalty kill at all and, and relying on a guy like Mammon or Levico, uh to, to take those chunks. So, you know, after the top guys on the other team are on the ice for two minutes, they get off the ice and then – that coach is looking around their bench, putting out the fresh third, fourth line guys, and then Barkov can come out and feast on them. Yeah. The next shift, and I think that's the type of, you know, that second, third, fourth layer of strategy and, and coaching that you know NHL coaches have to do in the moment all the time, and it definitely makes it harder than a lot of fans realize in the jobs, and you know, in the moment when we criticize them, but you know, you're the best. 31 coaches in the world. You gotta be able to do it. 
uh, at that level if you want to win the cup. Yeah, and, 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 that, out there and, and that's fun. where putting yeah. together that, you know, the, the optimal lineup, having three, four lines that can go, uh, you, you know, that's yeah. where that's a benefit, where, where you're not and, wasting and that's a where preseason on the ice. And that's, and that's where preseason experimentation is a benefit too, because, you know, you might be in March trying to play with some lines and you don't have any video, you don't have any data, you don't have any, like, experience of what does this guy do in a game situation? Like, how does these three work together versus how does these three work together? Yeah, and, you know, and, even and, in one of the yeah. other preseason games, the announcers were saying, uh, you know, about Mike Hoffman, he, he's a great player, he, he's really offensive, he's got a great shot, he's going to score goals. Uh, but they said, basically, you know, he's going to fit into the lineup wherever he fits in. Uh, you know, it might be with Barkov. And, and when you don't try that out in the preseason, when you don't, you know, they've had those two first lines set in stone, but we've seen how many times over the last, you know, couple years where we have our, our lines set in stone before the season and then a month in, you know, we're scrambling to find different line combinations. We're, you know, we, we have no ideas because we've never seen, uh, how, how certain guys work with each other that we're putting, you know, Colton Sevier, uh, on the first line. You know, I know it was because of injuries the other year, but you put Anthony Greco on a first line. Uh, it, that can't happen if you want to be a playoff. Yeah, you can't you be need doing to be able preseason to... experimentation in the regular no. season. That's how you miss the playoffs by a point. And, you know, they might be lucky this year. Uh, their October is very light, um, and they don't... But it has a lot of travel and, you know, the added distraction of Finland. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's the, what, first week in November. Uh, and you, you're not... You only play what, two games against division opponents in the first month of the season. So you're not really, you know, dropping points there. Uh, but you are playing a lot of Eastern Conference teams. You're playing a lot of, you're playing the Flyers, the Rangers, the Devils. Uh, those are teams, and, and you could even argue the Red Wings, uh, who have looked pretty strong in the preseason. You're playing against a lot of teams that if you find yourself, you know, behind uh, Toronto, Tampa, and, and Boston, you're playing a lot of teams you're fighting that, for that wild card spot for. Uh, and you need to be ready and hit the ground running. Uh, you can't be experimenting, uh, with lines, you know, through that. You can't be experimenting with lines when you're in, when you're in Finland. Uh, and then when it comes back because of that, you know, kind of a long break, uh, the next couple months are kind of tight packed. You, you're playing every other day. Um, you know, we know how the Panthers, you know, kind of get stiffed on the schedule. They play a ton of back to backs this year. Uh, you know, you're gonna need to have your lineup set, and, and you know we always harp on Thanksgiving is, is if you're in the playoffs, you're probably gonna make it. Uh, and, and it always seems kind of our slow starts are due to the fact that whatever our line combinations are to start the year don't work, and then we have to spend two three weeks trying to figure out something else. Uh, and, and that needs to stop. Once happening. again, the team, the team is always playing catch up to us. And that, and as fans from, you know, 3,000 miles away, you shouldn't be playing catch up to us. Yes. As, you know, a, a paid professional organ, sports organization. So, um, before we, you know, we're coming to the end, but before we hit the, uh, the rapid fire questions like we do the Flyers, um, I want to talk a, a little bit about the defense and not just the top four. I think we've talked enough about the top four. Everyone knows what needs to happen. Matheson, Ekblad, Yandel, Kesselvich, Yandel, somebody. You got to try something. And um, But two people who have made it really interesting are, are uh, Julian Malchori and Jacob McDonald. Um, both in their, you know, mid to late 20s and both have had really good AHL campaigns. Uh, and, you know, the further you go back and they're not the, maybe the greatest prospects, but they've really come into their game since then. Uh, and, and they looked good in the preseason. They, I think they, they've challenged for more of a spot than, a, than fans definitely thought, but I think even the team thought. And it's, I'm hopeful that one of them will crack the lineup. I'm not hopeful about who will be sent down. Um, you know, I thought there's a couple guys on the team. I think all defensemen have had a bad camp besides the two I just mentioned. And maybe Makoshin and Petrovic. Um, 
Pissick has looked bad. Yandel has looked bad. Ekblad has looked pretty bad. Matheson has looked okay. Uh, Uyghurs looked really bad. Um, and Pissick has been, you know, his usual shitty self. So, I, yeah, and, uh, you know, that's something that we just talked about. Work. That, that, but then you, you added these two new guys who, who do make the mix work, who, you know, whether they're paired together or they're paired with, uh, Mikoshin or whoever, that seems to be the best pairing. And it's kind of like how Petrovic and Pissick that one year, two years ago was our best pairing and whoever they played with seemed to just work that year. And you kind of hope that, like, the Panthers realize that third-pair defensemen are pretty interchangeable. It's about who's hot that year, who's having a good year, and playing them. So I know we really like Uyghur, I know we really like Pissick and all this stuff, but, like, you know, if they're not on, if they're playing like shit, and there's other guys just as good or playing better, you got to give them a shot. Because all defense is is stopping goals, getting pucks, moving them up. If you can do that, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what it looks like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, so I, I, I think, you know, Yandel obviously is going to have his spot secure. Ekblad's going to have his spot secure. Matheson. Same with Matheson, et cetera. Um, but but I, I hope, I, honestly, know, I think that's I think, it. I think, I think those outside are the, only the top three. three. Yeah, I think outside the top three, you know, we can't keep having this. Rookies have to be a 9 or 10 out of 10 to make a team. Or, you know, guys in the first three years have to be a 9 out of 10 to make the team or stay in the, on their line, where a veteran has to just not fall below a 4 out of 10 Yeah, to, to lose their spot. And uh, I think Florida needs to change that because you got some guys who are, you know, well, we think, talk about Mammon, who's 23, into... Lamico's 22, we have McDonald, who's, you know, 24, 25. These are guys in their prime year. If we're talking about bargain bin, bottom of the lineup guys, the best time to have them is the prime years and then get rid of yeah, them. Yeah, well, you know, so which was the argument with Marcheseau and, and then getting rid of them was, well, why are we giving up, you know, this kind of player? Uh, you know, we have a couple more. You know, who knows? Maybe if you do play Lamico, he gets, uh, you know, he gets on a hot stretch. He, he does put up goals. You'll never know. And I think that's kind of what, that is what frustrates us about not treating the preseason as, as tryouts and, and not using it, uh, for the, as the time for experimentation, uh, you know, these guys can certainly step in and play. If I were Pizik, I'd be pretty nervous right now, because uh, we, because you just got outplayed by defensemen that you never thought were going to be in the mix. Uh, and yeah. I know the team likes him. I know, you know, when he's on, he can be a solid third pair defenseman. Uh, but with the way other other players have looked in preseason. Uh, the, he's the one that I'm cutting, you know, Kazelovich I think is on the team. I think he's looked pretty strong, uh, in preseason. So maybe we'll say there's four spots guaranteed. Uh, and then it's, you know, Petrovic, Mikoshin, Pizik, Melchiori, and, and McDonald kind of fighting for two spots. Um, and, yeah. you know, and, and, and I'm fine and, with just rotating them in for the first couple of weeks. I mean, for the first month, you have a light schedule. You can, I mean, I know that there's going to be, it's going to be hard to carry 8D uh, with some of the vet forwards they're reluctant to waive. And, but, yeah, uh, I mean, it's not that hard but, if you make the right decisions and, and get rid of the people that you should because the offense, you don't need too many people, too many extras on offense on the roster uh, to start the season. You, you're not going to be doing that many changes to the lineup. Uh, you might be moving guys, you know, up and down a line here and there, but you're not really – putting in and taking out someone, especially if you start guys like Mammon and Lamico, uh, you know, your lines are pretty well set on offense. It's your defense that needs that needs the work. Uh, that, yeah, uh, you can certainly, especially with those guys, if you don't keep them, you were planning on probably just waving them anyway, especially with, you know, how Panthers' ownership is with, uh, you know, paying too much money and paying extra money. They don't want to do it. Um, they'll probably just end up waving them and getting rid of their contracts. Regardless, uh, you know, or you force a team. What happens when, you know, if a team gets an injury two games in? Look at uh, Columbus. They already have Seth Jones out. You know, you give teams options of seeing players in the NHL that could be, you know, they're not going to be an out-and-out number one replacement for Seth Jones, but they can shuffle their, their D around and, you know, fit in Melchiori as a, as a sixth. Uh, you know, fit in McDonald as a fifth or sixth. You know, Petrovic as a four. Uh, you, you know, they can certainly 
use a player like that on their back end. You, you want to showcase these guys to, to be able to move them somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let's get into some of the speculative questions. Before we do that, I just remind everyone that a lot of these players that we're arguing against moving off the roster and not playing are guys that are considered safe, dependable, etc. But if you notice in the preseason, they're the guys making backhand no-look passes into the defensive zone slot. They're the guys taking stupid penalties, lazy, I'm not moving my feet hookings. Um, and they're the guys and, who, you know, kind of... And, and that's what's frustrating there, about so. the, you know, the point you brought up is the, you know, since they're veterans, it's, oh, well, it's preseason, you know, they're not, they don't care too much, you know, oh, he's not working they're, that hard, it's preseason. But, yeah. but then when Dryden Hunt takes a, a penalty because he's not moving his feet, you know, it, it's extra negative points. Well, why isn't he ready to play? He's fighting for a spot. You know, well, no, yeah. everyone's fighting for a spot. Uh, and, and I think, yeah, like Troy Brower should definitely I think be that's for a spot. one of the things that kind of has a disconnect where, you know, even though he is 100% safe, they just made him captain, you know, Barkov has the mindset going into preseason, I'm fighting for my spot. I'm fighting for my time. You, you know, I have to prove to them that they made the right choice, that I am the number one center. Uh, you know, it, it probably doesn't take much convincing, uh, but it's that difference in mindset that that's what if you have professionals that don't have the mindset of you know any shift could be my last and I might not make this team uh, you know what are you teaching these younger kids that it's okay to to phone it in once they have played a year in the NHL no you always want them you know competing you always want them feeling like their jobs on the line yeah yeah i i i agree and you know i'm just at the point where all I can do is hold up every contradiction, every hypocrisy that the front office and the coaching staff, you know, verbally says out loud and then, you know, doesn't follow up. And, you know, this year it will be very easy for me to point to Capuano Bugner or point to so-and-so and say, you know, these were unfulfilled expectations. This is where you failed in a year where you needed to make the playoffs, if, you know, this keeps happening. Yeah, and, you know, we uh, talked about it a little bit last night, too, where, you know, they need to get off to a good start. So why were we playing Tampa Bay three times in a row in the preseason and then start the season, uh, you know, against them? That that could be four losses, and, and yeah. it's four losses to the same team in a row. Uh, that, you know, that gets in players' heads, you, you know, that – yeah, it's fun. Then it it's then funny. it starts to oh my gosh we can't beat Tampa. Th- then you end up playing them in the playoffs and you already have this mindset of well they kicked our ass all season we stand no chance, uh you know and you want to get off to a good start. Why aren't you letting everyone uh, go out there and and compete and try and and you know you get off to a good start by having everyone firing on all cylinders by the time the season starts, not, you know, phoning it in for three games because yeah. they've already played five preseason games. Uh, you yeah. Know, you, that's not what you want. You go off to a good start because you don't have drill killers in practice yeah. because you have all the guys making tape-to-date passes in and, the pregame And you have all the guys You have everybody in warm-ups putting everything in the sweet spot. You have guys, you know, hustling and, and moving and, and bumping in practice and making I think, sure I think that's it's the at one, a higher pace. that's the one promise that they failed to deliver on year after year. And I think it's the most frustrating is every year at training camp, it comes out, you know, no spots are guaranteed. Everyone's going to be fighting for their spot, fighting for their minutes. And then we, you know, you can basically already pick the team after two or three preseason games because they keep putting out the same roster. You know, you know, yeah, you know, Yandel and Eckler are going to start obvious as a pair because they haven't moved away from that at all in the preseason. At least try it when, when the games don't matter. I'll take losses if you're trying to experiment. But when you're putting out teams with the, you know, that, that looks like you're trying to win and you still don't win preseason games, that's not a good way to start the season. I'll just say it's going to be really easy to match up against Florida, judging on all the tape you'll have from yeah. last year at preseason. And, you know, when, when, when you're losing 6-2 really... to two to the Lightning with Luongo playing 60 minutes, you know, a week and two days before the season starts... That, do- Against that, the that doesn't make me confident that, you know, they're going to start out well. And, and they're kind of lucky that they have some time. They they don't play their first game till Saturday, October 6th. Most of the other teams have already played by then. Uh, and then they're off again until the next Thursday. 
So they got some time to work on it and practice. But you don't want to get blown out of the building, and you don't want to not look ready Saturday against the Lightning. Third or fourth? I think second, but... All right, all right. And that's because they ice the lineup that you want them to ice? Is it second if they ice the, the, the best lineup, if they experiment with the pairings, blah, 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 or if it's second as long as the long goes healthy? Uh, I think it's either second because of the lineup or second because, you know, the right guys are getting hot and, and you know, they're actually ready to play, prior, you know, contrary to what the preseason says. Are they going to win a playoff round? If they get second, yes. If they have to play Tampa in the first round, probably not. I think Most I think they points. could beat I think they could beat Boston or Toronto in the playoff series. Uh, I, I guess the next one is uh, who plays the most games in net. Well, it better be Roberto Luongo. Right, but I'm even James but out. even if it is Luongo, I don't think it's going to be by a by a more than eight. Eight or nine game margin. Uh, most points. Uh, I think this year I'm gonna go with Huberto. Nice, nice. I'm gonna go with Dad this year. I think uh, he's just gonna cash in. Luck, you know, or deservedly cash in, but he's gonna keep going. I'm upsetting Dad off. Um, what is it, Booner? He's still gonna be here. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, we're both kind of quietly resigned to that. Uh, any other questions? What did I miss? Be- oh, MVP, best player, most important player, Barkov. Barkov yeah, yeah. yeah. easily. <laughs> Although, I All mean, right, you can make an Barkov. argument that it's going to be, it'll have to be Luongo. Uh, I'm going to say beyond the two that everyone knows, Barkov and Luongo, I'm going to say it's Ekblad. It's can he make whatever partner he has work? Can he? Yes, yeah, he needs go, to take that step he, forward. Can he have the best year of his career this year? Yep. And uh, I think that's what you're looking for. You're looking for 15 goals and the best year of his career. Yeah, and you know they were they were talking about him on the broadcast the other night against the Lightning. Uh, you know how offense is now started from you know from the back end now, and uh, Ekblad scores a ton of goals, and they're looking for him to take a step forward uh, and, and score even more, and, and you know get even more assists this year. Uh, and, and then that, that's what's frustrating about, you know, the pairings, the D pairings that they have is they play like with like all the time. You know, Yandel and Ekblad are pretty similar players, the way, the way that they play defense and how they want to play. You gotta split them up. You can't have two guys that want to go, go, go. Cause then no one's back, back, back. <laughs> you know, you, and similarly, as much as I you want to see, as much as you want to see, back, you know, it's, it's, I think there there is part of the system. I mean, every Florida D is always on the wrong side of their opponent. Up ice skates up. I mean, it's good that they have their skates pointed up ice, but they shouldn't be hash marks and above. And and sometimes and most of the time, you get both defensemen, you know, in the slot and two guys behind them in the crease. Um, but I also think Yandel and Ekblad just in the D zone. They don't switch well. They don't work well. Yandel, like, Ekblad always calls for help too late because he always, you know, tries to fight through everything himself. And Yandel's always too late to go in and help. So it's always well, very yeah, much Yand- Yandel's hesitant or, like, to jump in the corner. He wants Ekblad to control the corners and he takes the front of the net. But one, he's not very good at the front of the net either. Well, he, he likes, he, Yandel's thing is having Ekblad just chip the puck either up above the goal line of the boards or back behind the net and just wheeling the puck out of the zone. That's what Yandel wants to do. He wants to have Ekblad win the puck. Well, yeah, he wants to, to get a breakout pass rather out. than give one. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, and the he problem wants is, the puck rimmed around the board so he can get it in the middle and then move it up ice. Not yeah. get and the, the puck Panthers off the boards. And the Panthers need Ekblad to do more than just the Charlie work. They need him to do more than just winning board battles for Yandel. And it's not going to happen until you and, give him another puck. And you puck. need to, you know, Ekblad... Can, I, I think Ekblad could outscore Yandel. I think he has higher offensive capabilities. But you need to give Ekblad the ability to be that first defenseman up ice and to get up ice. You know, or you have to kind of change his game and tell him, we need you to be that back end force. We need you to play defense. We don't care if you score more than five goals this year. As long as you're that shutdown number one type D, you're going to get your points. You're gonna, 
he's excellent at getting shots through from the blue line, uh, you know, whether it's for assists or goals, uh, at least better than Yandel, I think. Yandel wants to, you know, get closer to the net, and I think Ekblad is uh, better further away from the net. Uh, you, you know, it sucks that you have three three guys in Matheson, Yandel, and Ekblad that are very offensive-minded and want to get up ice, but you can work around that by splitting them up, pairing them with, you know, their more defensive counterparts, and then you basically don't really have a top or bottom pair. You can play or anyone at, least at all finding, time. And, and or at least both... finding two offensive guys who play well together and don't mind splitting up duty. Yeah. I mean, you got to have either one. You can't have two guys who kind of... Your argument can't be, well, we're, we have to pair Ekblad and Yandel together because they're, you know, we have to play both of them on the top pair. Because there's ways around that to have two top pairs. Or to have, you know, basically three pairs that are all equal and maybe you give, you know, then you can decide whoever's going that night can get the extra five minutes. You know, if Ekblad's a minus two and isn't, isn't looking very good, put Yandel's pair out for a couple extra minutes, or, or Matheson's pair out for a couple extra minutes. That's, again, that coaching that, you know, the good coaches, the best coaches, the winning coaches, are able to, to recognize that kind of stuff and make those changes. Uh, you know, you see it with Anaheim a lot. They have six really good defensemen, uh, and, and it's basically whatever pair's going is the one that gets the most ice time that night. I, I honestly... I think we need to end the podcast after that point. I don't think it's going to get any better. Uh, good luck to the Flyers. Good luck to the Panthers this season. Uh, next week, right before the season, we'll probably do another podcast. Me and one of them, that's whoever I can get on the line. And uh, we'll do a more formal look at uh, the rosters that end up coming out and, and uh, making more uh, concrete predictions. Thank you for listening. Good night, good season of hockey.